everyone, welcome to another episode of Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. And I hope that you find these episodes to be strengthening you, to be encouraging you, because that is really my heart and what I feel like the Lord has called me to do is to just put wind in your sails and uh, strengthen you, um, just being a voice and one that's hearing from God. And uh, I hope that you're finding that the strength of who God is in you is providing you with a sense of incredible strength today. On Tuesday, uh, earlier this week, we talked about joy being relational connection and having uh, just uh, the, the joy is really having someone that is glad to be with you. And there are so many incredible things that we could dive into this season. And for me, as I've even been on my own journey of discovering the power of joy, there are days where I just feel overwhelmed. And when I sit down to write content, I just get this uh, incredible sense of just so much content and information that I want to share with you, but just realize that I've got to be succinct, that I've got to keep it in a way that's going to be tangible, doable, and is going to keep your focus and attention as well. And so any kind of feedback that you could give would be helpful. Uh, if there's things that you're finding helpful, or if there's things that I'm doing that maybe aren't so helpful, uh, feel free to just write, um, in the descriptions below that what's helpful, maybe what's not helpful. And so I want to start this episode, though, by just reading from a chapter in Hebrews chapter 12 that I ended on last week and didn't have time to necessarily read. And I wanted to read some lyrics from that song that was posted in the description from Tuesday's episode by Matthew West called You uh, on My Mind or Me on Your Mind. And so this is Hebrews 12. And this is a place that the author is talking about staying connected to the hope and talking about this sense of joy that Jesus had about what kept him on the cross. And it was really in terms with having a goal to uh, connect with us again, to reconcile us and to help us recover because of the sin that has entered the world. And we're going to see from these two verses in Hebrews chapter 12, that Jesus had this incredible sense of joy because his heart, his goal was to be reunited with us and to make a way for us through a new covenant, through the death and resurrection of his life would bring new life and a new covenant and new opportunity for the spirit of God to dwell inside of you and I. So hear these words today as we begin, and I want you to just let joy settle into your heart and just hear that Jesus is so glad to be with you. He's so glad to be present with us today in these moments that we share together. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And I just feel this inclination to stop and to pause there, that you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that all of heaven celebrates your life. And it says, so let us also lay aside every hindrance and every weight and sin that we cling so closely to. See, the Lord Jesus knows us best and he loves us best and he knows all those things that are hindering us every day. And his desire, his goal is to eliminate those hindrances for you to stay connected to him and with his heart. And then he goes on to say, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. His goal for your life is to run with endurance 
And joy is going to be one of these things that gives us the capacity that builds a foundation in our life. Like we talked about last season, we can build on the rock, which is a steady foundation and create stability, or we can create and build on sand, which is going to sink when the winds of life begin to blow. And he says, my goal for you, child, is to run the race of life with endurance. And how do you build endurance? You just have to go through a hard and intense things sometimes in order to build this resolve and to be restored and to be healed and to allow the work of Jesus to do what only he can do. And notice in verse two, he says, looking to Jesus, or he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is a key that I want you to, you know, my heart in and my heart for all people today is looking and setting our eyes on Jesus. It goes back to that 2 Corinthians 4, 6 that I started off with on Tuesday. Looking and seeing the glory of God through the face of Jesus it says, setting our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter and founder of our faith. And it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It was joy. It was staying connected. It was knowing that his father would never abandon him in the time of his darkest hour in a time that was very challenging and excruciating physically to go through with this. But he kept the joy of being connected with his father and being connected with you and I again. And the opportunity that it would give us to live in this new covenant relationship. In fact, let me go back a few chapters in Hebrews 8, and I want you to hear these words about the new covenant that Jesus provides for us to live into. In verse 6 of Hebrews 8, it says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant. Then the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I show no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one absolute, and what is becoming absolute and growing old is ready to vanish away. I would encourage you to go back and read Hebrews 8. I love the letter of Hebrews. It's got so much of this new covenant language 
about how Jesus has made a new way for us. He said he's put his law within us. He's put his precepts and his values inside of us. Now that we would know them and our spirit can recall them in times where we're challenged and feeling difficult things are ahead. The heart and his desire, and you could hear it here, says that they will know me, not just an information uh, about who I am, but they will actually come to know me. And he talks about this old covenant being absolute because of the work that Jesus did. We talked about the old wineskin in the very first or second episode. I don't remember which one it was, but the new that is coming is living into the promises, which are, he says, the new covenant is built on better promises. Why? Because we have the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit bringing us before Jesus. And if you go to Hebrews, it says that he is now seated in the right hand of God the Father, the right hand signified a place of power and authority of God. Now, Jesus sits at that because of the joy he had, knowing that we would be reconnected with his heart and that he would be uniting us in communion with his Father once again. And it says, now he is seated. What does seated mean? It is a place of resting. And so why do I start this episode with this, these two passages from Hebrews is because I want you to know more than anything, not just to know for information's sake, but to really experience that the Lord Jesus wants to be so near us and so dear to our hearts that he has made a new way for you and I to live, to be known, to be seen, to be safe and secure. Because for many of us, we're longing at the deepest level, to have a place of being known and feeling connected with one another. And Jesus is that place that begins to build the gap between what our heart desires and where a lot of us find ourselves of being stuck in this place where we don't experience a lot of joy. And so I want to just kind of break this down from a brain science level and just kind of share some things with you about what joy has the capability to do and just some simple ways of how we can practice uh, being joyful and staying connected with joy. Uh, I can't even remember how long ago it was, but these have been two images that the Lord has brought before me about just seeing myself in this house. And if you've ever been in construction or if you've ever helped build a house or you know kind of there are different phases and stages that building a house requires and you've got to do certain things uh, before you can do the next things and you've got to build the foundation of the house and one of the next things that you do is you have an electrician come in and they uh, wire all the circuits to go throughout the house so that this house has power and has a sense of light um, and we talked last episode about the power of light in second corinthians 4 6 about god's kingdom being a kingdom of light bringing us uh, into these places of light, revealing our brokenness, revealing our sin, and healing us in these places. Well, an image that the Lord gave me one day was I was in this house, and there was light. And all of a sudden, if you've ever had this experience where the lights go out in your house, and you know that there is a circuit box with circuit breakers somewhere probably in your basement or somewhere in the house, that hopefully you're just thinking, Hopefully this uh, breaker just tripped. And if I flip the switch back on, 
I'll have electricity flowing back in my house that's going to light up and give me the ability to see, especially if it's dark out. And for so many of us, we've been in this state of living where maybe a circuit gets a circuit breaker goes out and relationally we begin to shut down and we begin to get overwhelmed and we don't stay relational very well. And maybe we've had some horrific things or some, some relational hardships in our lives that have allowed our hearts to be closed, to be bitter, to hold unforgiveness towards people who maybe hurt us or wronged us. But the Lord, I believe in this time and in this hour is shining his light internally within us and wanting to flip those breakers back on and showing us. If you look at the life of Jesus and he modeled this of how to stay relational in all circumstances and to keep the relationships bigger than any of the problems that he faced or the issues or the needs that people brought before him, I believe that one of the greatest markers of the love of God was in Jesus's ability to stay relationally connected with people. And how did he do that? I think we've got to look at the humanity of how Jesus was wired because he, it says that he gave up his divine nature and was fully human. And if we are made in the image of God, I think we should take a close look at how Jesus wired us. And what I see Jesus doing in this hour is identifying the breakers within us because we have been wired a circuit a certain way that uh, I've heard it termed this way is that our relational circuitry it's like we have a switch in our brain that sometimes gets dimmed and we can start to know that hey I'm not being relational that things are happening in my day-to-day -day life that are causing these relational circuits to go off and next thing you know uh, your relational circuits are all the way off and you're not able to remain the person that you want to be, that you know you are, and you start making choices and acting in ways that are predatory. We talked about this at the end of last season, where we are not, we are no longer protectors of the hearts of those that we love, but we are only looking out to preserve our own life, to protect ourselves and we are acting very predatory about what it is that we can gain from the people around us. And that is not God's heart. It is not his desire. So circuitry is one of those images that the Lord has put on my heart. And I believe that uh, it's a very key image that, that we need to hold in this season, that God wants us to live in a way that is going to be able to stay relational. In just a few minutes, I'm going to give you um, just what it's like when our relational circuits are on and off. And we're going to take the next couple of episodes to really look at that, to notice and really be aware. Because as you begin to be aware of it and know how you're wired, I believe that you're going to be able to build habits that are going to lead to behavior change and transformation that you desire, where you don't have to get stuck in these big emotions or these triggers that are often inside of us, that when these kind of situations arise, I can't remain my best self, my true self, and live from the heart that God has given me. And here's the second image that God showed me. The first was that of the circuit breakers being off and Jesus wanting to turn them back on. The second was this. For so many of us, it's like we've had this uh, worn down car 
and it's not running right, and uh, yet we have the ability to trade this car in for a brand new sports car, right? How many of us would rightfully sit there and say, no, I'm good with this old clunker of a car, and we would sit there and we would drive it around not knowing that if we were going to get to the destination because this car is having so many issues. For some of us, maybe we have a car that's working decent and uh, we don't know some of the problems that it might have in the future. But Jesus, through the new covenant, comes in. And what I saw him share with me was, Eric, I've given you this new sports car and here are the keys. All you have to do is give me the keys to your old car. And I believe this signified us giving the keys of our heart and our life to Jesus and trusting him and in exchange, receiving from him the keys to a brand new way of living. And that is being led by his spirit. That is one of the spirit and being in union and communion with the holy and living God and giving him that place because there's not going to be as many issues you're going to be able to get to where you need to go in a much faster and an accelerated way. Uh, that may not always be the case because God doesn't always take us uh, in the time that we want. But there's going to be instances where we're walking and knowing that we're with Jesus and that he's with us. He's not just given us this vehicle, this tool to get to the destination without him. But what I saw was the person of Jesus sitting next to us in this car saying that you have the ability to drive it. And I'm showing you, if you'll allow me, all of its capabilities and all of the wonder. And I want you to just sit in a moment thinking about being in a new sports car and Jesus taking you out into this wide open space, this wide open road, and just saying, go ahead, drive as fast as you want, and just enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. And he's giving you that for your pleasure and your joy. And Jesus just sits there next to you, seeing how much you're enjoying this. There are two images of what I think joy can be for us. And we've talked about climbing Joy Mountain. We've talked about our joy tank. And so many times on a daily basis, what happens is that we have these things that rob us of our joy where we don't feel like we're connected, we don't want to stay connected with people, and we don't have people in our life that know how to stay connected with us. And imagine this, that in a sports car, it runs on a certain type of fuel in order to get it to get up to the highest speed possible and to enjoy that ride of being able to drive this car and go at an incredible speed in life. But it has to be filled with the right gas. And for our life and for our spirit, joy is that fuel that is filling us. I often say people who live in a high level of joy operate from this place of joy because they never seem to run out of fuel and they know how to fill their tank. So it's like a turbocharger in a car, giving you extra speed, giving you the extra um, something extra that a lot of other cars in the world don't have. And that is something that only the Lord can offer us. And that is in a relationship and in being connected with Jesus. Because his joy was to endure the hardship of the cross so that he could be connected with you and live in that new covenant relationship with you.
So I pray that you would just take that to heart today more than anything else. And I want to get into some of the brain science here in the last couple of minutes, because the way we are wired is we have this relational circuitry inside of us. And next week, I'm actually going to go into some of the characteristics that define what it's like to be in relational mode. And another term I've used by a guy named Jim Wilder is enemy mode, is when our relational circuits get go off, we begin to lose sight of who we are and we begin to shut down and get overwhelmed. And I wrote down a few notes here is that the inside of our brain is what they call the control center or our relational circuit or our secret circuit. Because for a lot of us, we don't even know it's there. And the place that it is, it's in the front of our brain. And it's one of the only parts of the brain that can actually grow and mature um, throughout the course of our life. Because so many parts of our brain get established and set in stone from the very early years in our life, in the infant stages. But joy and growing in joy capacity is something that can grow over the course of our lives. So to me, that's encouraging. It fills me with a level of hope. And I want to just give you a few more characteristics of what it's like when this relational circuitry is working right, like, um, and what it's capable of doing. Because when it's working well, you feel this level of love and the sense of abiding. You feel full. You feel energized. Uh, when it's not working well, you feel fearful, you feel disconnected, you feel alone, you feel the pain of your situations and circumstances, and often it feels unbearable. It leads into a state of depression, and it's evident and running rampant in our culture. I believe that's what a lot of the things you're seeing in our culture and the evil that is prevailing is because people, and we've lost this sense of being connected and living in a sense of family where we feel safe, where there's a community and God is drawing us back to these places. And a few more things that I wrote down is when our joy circuit is on or that joy switch is on in our brain, we are able to live from our true identity. Because when we don't have joy and we don't have people in our lives that are glad to be with us and we don't live in relationship to Jesus this way, knowing and being assured and living in faith that he's glad to be with us, you're not able to live from our true identity. But when we have these senses of joy, we get to come full, uh, we get to come into more of our identity. And I shared last episode about um, my own family representing that for me, the church that I grew up in. And one of the greatest examples that I had was being on a couple different staffs that were just full of joy. And did we focus on the uh, management and the leadership side of, of doing the ministry? Absolutely. We were excellent in what we did. But I believe the greatest foundation that we had that enabled us more than anything else to do the things that we were capable of doing and to see the fruit and the impact was the joy we had of relational connection with each other and being able to do the things that we did together uh, in places because I can just go back and I remember so many times walking in to meetings where the room was just full of joy and people were glad to be together celebrating each other and when you foster that kind of culture in an environment, 
it brings life and it brings this sense of people being able to live in their identity. You're able to live from God's heart and to see from his perspective. And you're able to stay relational and to be a living representation of Jesus to the fullest. And that's been one of the greatest desires of my life is that in every area of my life, I don't want there to be hindrances, but I want to look to the one who is the perfecter and author of our faith, as it said in Hebrews 12, knowing that if he is my example, then I want to demonstrate and to fulfill and to be a visual aid to the world around me at the best of my ability of who Jesus is, because I am so drawn to Jesus. And I hope that's reflected. I hope that's representative of the life that I live with those around me as well. So with the joy switch off, here are some of the things um, that you're not able to do. Many of us find ourselves living, drifting away from who we want to be or know we can be. We'll either explode because life's gotten the best of us or we'll implode and we'll just be in to shut down. I don't know if you've ever known people who uh, the littlest things can set them off or when tension comes and they're not able to resolve conflict, they just implode and they don't want anything to do and they just go and isolate themselves. I know for me, I can think of many examples of both. Littlest things that my kids will do sometimes can begin to set me off and press buttons based on my capacity and the relational mode that I'm in. Because if my relational circuits aren't on, then my kids, my wife, the workplace is going to have to suffer um, because it's not very, it's, it's just not, it's not very good to be around me when I'm not in relational mode. So here are some of the things that you can notice when you're in a joyful environment and in a joyful culture. You're able to engage the world and God in a fresh and invigorating way. So many people that I know uh, recently have demonstrated this, and I'm so excited about the things that the Spirit of God is doing, that he's reforming, that he's calling out, and he's calling his body back to this sense of being fully alive because for so long and throughout the Western church, there has been this culture of um, things that have hindered people and put them in shackles as opposed to letting them live in the freedom and the permission of who God says they are and how God sees them and giving them the ability to really feel alive and free to engage what brings life to their heart and when we blow a breaker, going back to that circuitry, when something goes awry, we are able to recover and get back to this place of joy to state what we need and identify what has gone wrong, and then to be able to go and to identify and get that circuit breaker back on so that we can stay relational and acting like our true selves. And then here are some of the things that it translates into everyday lives of smiles, more peace, laughter, creativity, generosity. Uh, you can be a loving person that you want to be and hope to be. I wrote down the fruit of joy is a person living in freedom, having permission and a sense of their identity emerging. I know as I look back on my life and I got around 
people who were just glad to be with me. Those were the fruits that came from those types of things was that it gave me a new level of freedom to be me, not to be afraid to make mistakes. It gave me a new sense of identity and more of who I was began to come to the surface because I didn't have to mask or project or pretend to be something that I wasn't. And I was given permission. And how many times do we go through something where we're brought onto a staff or within an organization per se, and there's an agenda that they have or a role that they want you to fulfill, but they miss your heart. And if you're not feeling called or inclined to that mission after being a part of it and need to step away, you feel a sense of guilt and shame. And then all of a sudden your ties are just cut and you're cut off from that organization, which can be a very hurtful and wounding place to be. I'm sure we've all had things like that have happened where it's like what I call a missional relationship where you know, you're just being used for your gifts and the benefit of what you can do for other people. That's the contrast you saw in Acts 16 that we talked about earlier this week was this woman who was the counterfeit of what Paul and Silas were doing it for money. And there were several other places in Acts that the same motive was being exposed by the light and the goodness of who Jesus was in the gospel that was being brought forth. Because in Jesus, it's the goodness of his heart that is being brought forward. And his desire is for us to live in relationship and in connection with each other. I wanted to just end today with this scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 3, starting at verse 3. And I think this is a great way to conclude this week. And I want to encourage your heart because in verse 3, and this is the Passion Translation, it says this. He says, celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has shown us his extravagant mercy for his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. And we are reborn to experience a living energetic hope though the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead or through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just celebrate the person of Jesus with praises. It says to God, the father of our Lord Jesus, who has shown us his extravagant mercy for his fountain of mercy has given us new life and we are reborn to experience a living and expectant hope. I love this kingdom language here that you get to experience the extravagant mercy of God and that it brings an energetic hope through you in the person in the resurrection of Jesus. It says that you were reborn into a perfect inheritance that can never perish, never be defiled, and never diminish. It is promised and preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. That is incredible news that I hope brings you this sense of being relationally connected. That you have been given something that can never be defiled or never perish, but is eternal and is forever. It says through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation. You are guarded by the very power and strength of God today. And he says that it is ready to be revealed in the last time. And may the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with some grief of many trials. 
So may you jump with joy today. And I want you to hear these words in verse 7, 8, and 9, as I want to close with this. He says, your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. It says, you love him passionately, although you did not see him. Thinking back to a time in your life where you saw that you knew that you felt the presence of God. That's why these appreciation exercises and gratitude exercises can be so important is that they reconnect you to feel connected to those times. And even if you can't see him today, you, it says you passionately love him. Getting to this place where we're invited to his table, knowing his heart and seeing the love in his eyes draws you towards him and draws this out of you that you fully love him, that you fully embrace him with everything that you have. It says, but through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. Through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy. And then in verse 9, he says, for you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation promised you, your soul's victory. Hear that today, that you are reaping the harvest of what you have put your faith in, and that is the person of Jesus Christ being the firm foundation in the hope that you have. I do want to close this episode and I'm just going to use this one song and I'm going to put it in both episodes from Tuesday and Thursday because it's just continued to minister to my heart. But it is Matthew West called song called Me on Your Mind. And I want to read some of these lyrics in closing and I want you to listen to that song and just let it minister to your heart today. He says, I've read the words and read how you leave the 99 to find the one missing. Feels like that was written with me on your mind. And the prodigal son who ran, leaving his home behind. The part where the father came running to meet him. Did you say that with me on your mind? Who am I that the king of the world would give one single thought about my broken heart? Who am I that the God of all grace wipes the tears from my face and says, come as you are. You paid the price. You took the cross. You gave your life and you did it all with me on your mind, with me on your mind. Just knowing that you're mindful of me, just knowing you call me your child, it's flooding my soul with unspeakable hope. Thank you, Lord, that it's me on your mind. And then he says, I've read the words and read of a heavenly home on high. You're preparing a place where the sorrows erase. And when I stand before you, I'll find all along, it was me on your mind. What an incredible song. And I want to close this week by just praying a blessing over you. Father, I pray that as we would listen to this song, that we would know that we are on your mind in this very moment. There is nothing that you don't know, nothing that you don't see, nothing that you don't care about. But I pray that each and every individual watching, listening, 
would be encouraged in their heart, knowing that you are mindful of us, knowing that you call us your child, and let our soul be flooded with unspeakable hope, saying, thank you, Lord, that I am on your mind. Let that be the cry of your heart as we end this time together. Lord, cry. Lord, fill my heart. Make this the cry of our heart. The cry of my heart, Lord, is to be full of hope. To know that I am on your mind. Just knowing that you are mindful of me, that you see me today, is more than enough. Strengthen our heart, strengthen our mind, and flood us, Lord, so that we may live in this relational mode with people and not get overwhelmed, but be strengthened by the power of your grace in our lives. May we be full of smiles. May we come to know your peace. May we be full of laughter and creativity and generosity, Lord, as these are things that are counterintuitive to the world. Would you fill us with your sense of joy? God, I pray for laughter to rise up in this moment. God, I pray for the joy of you being connected with us to be our strength today. That one moment in your presence could change the course of our day. In one moment of interacting with you could cause us to bring joy into another person's life. God, just seeing an image of having a candle and having Jesus light our candle and saying, now go, be the light for someone else. Bring my light of hope into their world and light their candle. Begin to light a flame in the world around you today. And may the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you with his incredible strength, his incredible wisdom. And may you know the power of his love unconditionally in your life. And may we build on the foundation, as it says in Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 8, the better promises, the better covenant, Lord. And that we may be filled with that same joy that we would have, that you endured the cross with, that same joy would fill us to endure our circumstances today. Lord, I pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen. Join me next week as we'll take a, a deeper dive into these relational circuits and hopefully give you some more tools to be able to identify when you're living in relational mode or in enemy mode with those around you. So be strengthened today. Uh, I would pray that the fullness of his strength would be made known to you and through you in the world today. God bless. Hope to see you next time on Tuesday.